just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Well, yesterday was kind of an interesting day, wasn't it? It was the 4th January 6th televised hearing. And it was pretty interesting. It exposed a lot. And I have to say up front here about the Democrats. They've been known for not doing their messaging very well. But in these first four hearings, they are doing an excellent job of putting together the evidence, presenting the evidence, and showing in no uncertain terms what the facts are. The one thing that they've done well, and I've said this before, is that Everything you're hearing, all the evidence, all the testimony is coming from Republicans and some Republicans that were very close to Donald Trump or had interactions with Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani and the others. So they're doing a great job. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we're only halfway through for this month. I have to believe that at some point in July and August, there'll be other hearings There'll be other revelations about what happened in and around January 6th. We've only just begun here, (laughs) and they're doing a hell of a job. I I have to be honest. Before we get to uh, the facts of yesterday's happenings, let's get to some emails here. This one comes from Rebecca. She says, Mike, it's Rebecca again. I'm so, and I have to say so because she's got about nine O's in this one. I'm so mad and need to vent. Hope you don't mind, but too late, here I go. You're more than welcome to vent. I do it here every fucking day, so you're more than welcome to do it from time to time. She goes on to say every single person from Trump to the people who posed as alternate certifiers, to every congressperson who voted to not certify the election, need to be held responsible. This is just going to keep happening until we have no elections at all. Look at New Mexico just last week. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. The president and those below him should be held to a higher standard not to be above the law. Thanks for listening. You rock, Rebecca. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. It's almost frightening seeing the things that have happened in and around January 6th and prior four years with Donald Trump. I mean, every norm has been broken. Every law has been broken. And nothing matters other than benefiting Donald Trump. And then somehow, someway, he's, he's convinced these Trumplefucks, these underlings, to help him get what he needs. It's one thing to be a narcissist and try to benefit yourself, but to also somehow get people around you to want the same thing, not for themselves, but for Donald Trump. It is pretty frightening. And as I said, the January 6th committee is doing an excellent job. These people do need to be held responsible. And I think you're going to see that be the case. As I've said before, 
the idea of putting Donald Trump in, in, in prison may be a difficult thing. That's not to say he's not going to get indicted. That's not to say he's not going to get convicted. I'm just saying he'll suffer some other consequences and may not end up in jail. Now, that doesn't mean all the people around him won't end up in jail. You go back to Watergate, and while Dick Nixon got uh, pardoned by Gerald Ford, a lot of his people, including his attorney general, went to jail. And that was just a pittance of what was going on in the Trump administration. The January 6th committee is doing a good job exposing things, and they're basically rubbing the DOJ's face in it. Now, the DOJ wants their documentation to help them with their investigation, and make no mistake, there's a lot of investigations going on in the DOJ concerning Donald Trump, concerning the Republican Party, concerning the insurrection. We've been saying all along, when is Merrick Garland going to do something? Well, he's doing a lot currently. But for some reason, they want the documents from the January 6th committee. But at this point, the January 6th committee is refusing. And a lot of people are wondering why. Well, you have to believe that the January 6th committee is a little perturbed with the DOJ about the slowness in which they go after things. I mean, the fact of the matter is, The DOJ doesn't follow the lead of the January 6th committee. It should be the other way around. Maybe the January 6th committee is upset that these DOJ folks haven't started already. They want to jump in after the fact. That's not the job of the DOJ. They should be on top of everything. They should have the investigations. The January 6th committee should be the one asking them for documentation and evidence and tapes and such. But that's not the case. What you may be seeing happening here is the DOJ was just trying to ignore some of this stuff. And the January 6th committee is doing exactly what they should. They're putting it out there in the ether, exposing it to people. Now, this puts some shame, embarrassment, and pressure on the DOJ. So they need to get off their asses and start to do something. Well, we're seeing evidence of it, of course, with the uh, grand juries that they put together. But they do want this evidence that the January 6th committee has. Now, understand, they will get that evidence. The January 6th committee isn't going to hold it from them. But here's the problem. If they give them some of the evidence, there may be some compelling things. And the DOJ say, well, you can't go any farther. We've got to develop this. So this role with the January 6th hearings will stop. And the January 6th committee knows this. So they decided, we put this all together. We put the effort in. Let's put on our show. Let's at least do the eight um, meetings that we had planned. We put this show together, let's put on the show, and then after the fact, we'll give it to the DOJ and see if this time they fucking actually do something. So it's kind of interesting with that circumstance. I think, to be honest with you, Rebecca, I think you will see a lot of people held accountable. I think you will see a lot of people indicted, going to trial, and getting convicted. We don't know that for sure, but I just have this feeling. You can feel the tide changing with every hearing that comes about. 
all this stuff that has been diverted and distracted from is now put in their faces. And you can almost feel the country taking a different tact, a different perspective about what's going on with the Trump administration and the Republicans in general. All right, the next email. Hey, Boomer, evidence indicates that Trump coordinated with Pence to decertify the Electoral College count. As Pence did not abide to Trump's wishes, Pence seems like the ideal candidate to testify to the committee if Trump did ask Pence to decertify the count. Do you know if Pence has testified or is planning to testify, if the committee is going to have Pence testify? I wonder if they are saving him towards the last segment of the hearing. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Daniel. Well, I know that Pence has not testified as yet, but I know there's talk that he might. But here's the problem with Pence testifying. I mean, he should testify because he was asked to break the law by Donald Trump. He chose not to. But here's the thing. Everybody wants to make Pence out to be a hero. This fuck is not a hero because he was scared to death of Donald Trump. And when he was originally asked this, he looked everywhere. He looked between the couch cushions, under the rugs, trying to figure out a way he could appease his daddy, Donald Trump. But when he found out there was no way he could do it, because there wasn't, there was no constitutional right, what he was going to do was simply count the electoral votes. That is basically a ceremonial position. He had no power in this situation. Donald Trump kept trying to say, oh, you've got all kinds of power. You should be able to do this. Just go ahead and do it. Now, Donald Trump knew he didn't have power, but what Donald Trump also knew that is if Pence did this, this would create chaos and a mess, and at best, it would delay the whole process, and that's what Donald Trump wanted to do. The other thing is, we know that Mike Pence was, uh, they were attempting to get him out of the Capitol, but he refused to go. And the interesting thing is, uh, Grassley from Iowa tweeted out something or sent a note out saying, since I'm the pro-Tem, which means pro-Tem president of the Senate, which means he takes over when Pence can't, he said, since Pence isn't going to be here, this is what we're going to do. So clearly, Grassley knew something about this too. So, So here's the potential problem for Pence, in his own mind, to testify. While he did the right thing, he spent a lot of time trying to do the wrong thing. He may very well implicate himself if he does testify. So there might be some dealings there, some, some, some deals they have to figure out to get him to testify. To be perfectly honest with you, Mike Pence has been nothing but a fucking wimp, a kiss-ass, a sycophant, all those things. He's, he's one of these guys that talks a lot but never says anything, a typical politician. And I don't know how that testimony will go. But uh, Pence is a scared little bitch. I don't know if he will testify. The smart thing would be to cut a deal and testify to nail Donald Trump. He has no reason to protect Donald Trump at this point. Donald Trump wanted him killed. They He wanted... The, 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 the fucking toothless crew to hang him. I don't know why um, he holds on to this connection to Donald Trump. Uh, 
Now, for whatever reason, Pence wants to run for president, so he's got to be very careful about what he says and where he says it. So the talk is that he may be testifying at some point, but there's been no verification of that, and we don't know. Should he testify? Absolutely. Would he have information to implicate Donald Trump? In a fucking New York minute, he would. But will it happen? I don't know. When it comes to Mike Pence or any Republican member of the Trump administration, you can't trust them for anything. They've lied to us for six years. So it's difficult to hear from them and actually believe what they say. We'll see what happens. He may very well testify. Whether it's of any value or not, well, we'll have to wait and see for that. All right. We have a... Another email here it comes from Mike. It says, thank you. I have the same problem with radio. As long as I worked in it, I just can't bring myself to listen to it. And we were talking in the emails. We were talking back and forth about about the radio and listening to the radio and how both of us, neither one of us, can really listen to the radio for any extent of time with the vast amount of commercials and just the ridiculous, uh, smarmy bullshit on it. Even though I worked in radio for 40 years, I can't listen to fucking radio. It, 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 it annoys me. I always liken it. See if you remember this. When you were young and you worked in a, a restaurant, okay? And you worked there diligently every day doing what you did. But when it came to deciding where to go to eat, you always said, nah, I'm not eating that fucking place. I know what goes, on, what goes on behind closed doors. And that's the same for me with radio. I know what radio is all about. I did it for years. I know the people in it. And I just don't have any interest in listening to radio. Now, you have to understand what this gentleman did. He sent me a picture of his dashboard, and he has a screen you know, in some of the newer cars, if you're playing a podcast or whatever, it'll show the, you know, the, the picture or the logo for the podcast. And he had on the screen actually two pictures of my logo with my cartoon face on it. You know what I'm talking about. And he goes on to say this. I wouldn't say you are in a cult. Nobody is grifting anybody. He, he, he wondered if... He was now in a cult with my picture in his car. And and honestly, um, the rational boomer thing isn't a cult. We're not trying to grift anybody. We're not trying to convince anybody of anything. This is about people of a like mind. People who came to rational boomer already had the thoughts. It was just a matter of finding other people with similar thoughts, with common sense, with logic. And that's why... We come together. I know he was kidding about the cult thing, but um, I get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. Let's get down to getting. The 4th January 6th committee televised hearing yesterday focused on the pressure Donald Trump applied to state officials and election workers to subvert the 2020 election. Now, we know he did this, but these hearings are bringing out the facts and the evidence and putting it in plain view for everybody, Democrats as well as Republicans, and they are starting to see it. The news is getting around. 
It was absolutely horrifying to see the lengths that Donald Trump and the trump Lafox were willing to go to bully these people into submission to go along with the big lie. Now, this really wasn't about persuasion. It wasn't, I'm trying to sell you on this. This is persuasion. It was about posing a threat of violence to force them into submitting against their will to support the big lie, even though they knew it was a lie. This is not what this country or our Constitution is about. The whole point of this is everything that Donald Trump did, especially in this circumstance, was contrary to our Constitution. Now, one of the stars of the last hearing was Rusty Bowers, who is a conservative Republican. He is acknowledged Trump supporter, Speaker of the House for the state of Arizona. Now, I doubt he's a Trump supporter anymore, but he was a Trump supporter going into the 2020 election. He was contacted directly by Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. He was driving in his car with his wife. White House calls said, can you hold on for the president? Well, that's kind of awe-inspiring, don't you think? They pressured Mr. Bowers to accept the big lie and to help them create fake electors and overturn the election in Arizona. Now, Rusty Bowers heard this, and he asked Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, if he had proof. Giuliani says, yes. Bowers asked if they had names, and Giuliani said, yes. Bowers asked if he could have those names. Then Trump chimes in and says, Rudy, give the man what he needs. Now, ultimately, Rudy Giuliani never presented any evidence. (laughs) What he said is, well, we have a lot of theories, but no evidence. This is a fucking lawyer, a former federal prosecutor saying, we've got no evidence, but we got a lot of theories. That's proof this fuck is crazy. Still, they wanted Bowers to push the lie, to lie for them so they could get what they wanted, regardless of whether or not there was evidence, whether or not it was true. Now, Bowers did something we don't see a lot these days. He said he took, this is what he told him. He said, I took the oath to the Constitution, and I will not do that. I will not lie. I will not do something contradictory to the Constitution. Needless to say, Donald Trump would take no for an, wouldn't take no for an answer. So, because Bowers wouldn't, or Bowers wouldn't do anything that Donald Trump wanted because it was against his better judgment, uh, the man showed integrity and credibility. Bowers, by the Trump administrator, Bowers was doxxed professionally and personally. He received literally thousands of calls, thousands of texts, thousands of voicemails and emails. There were protests in front of his home. He and his wife were even confronted by a man, a trump with a gun, all because he stood by his oath and refused to lie. Still, he would relent the demands of President Trump. Can you imagine somebody who is a supporter of Donald Trump, somebody who is a, a conservative Republican, now getting pressured, pushed around, and bullied by the very man he supported. Now keep in mind, Rusty Bowers was an acknowledged Trump-supporting conservative Republican. But what he did is what every politician should do. 
He chose his country over his party. He he decided to do the right thing. While he may while while none of us probably agree with him politically, we, we have to respect his integrity, much like we do with Liz Cheney. I would never vote for Liz Cheney, but I appreciate and respect her integrity. And in addition, with this uh, Rusty Bowers, we have to be thankful for his part in saving democracy because that's what he did. Had he allowed Donald Trump to do what he wanted to do and he went along with it, that would have put us that much closer to losing our democracy. So as much as he's a Republican conservative and one-time Trump humper, you got to respect that. He chose to do the right thing. He chose to deny the most powerful man in this country, the President of the United States. Now, as more and more of this information comes out, you have to wonder what the Republican Party is going to do. Are they going to continue along the lines of following the base and the Trump LaFox and Donald Trump himself and be this rogue kind of terroristic organization? Or are the Republicans going to try to redeem themselves and pull together again and try to be normal again, try to break away from this this whole crazy fucking group of people? They've stuck with them this long because they know there's money there and they feel there's power. But the fact of the matter is, is there's only 32% of the true crazy people. There's a lot of other people that are Republicans that just won't align themselves with this kind of situation. But will they try to redeem themselves? And if they do try to redeem themselves, if the Republican Party ever finds their way, Bowers could be an excellent candidate for uh, national leadership. That said, the Republican Party has a long way to fucking go. I've said this before, if I'm the Republican Party, I go through the midterms and get my ass whipped. Now you have to figure out where do we need to change some things to get some credibility back. And they've got a long way to go. Well, the first thing they would want to do is get Liz Cheney and and uh, Adam Kinzinger back in the fold. And even this Rusty Bowers. I mean, this guy gave a tearful testimony. When you watch this guy, you realized that he went against his, his uh, support. He did what was right. He was tearful. While all this was going on, Rusty Bauer's daughter was dying, and she has now since passed away. He was struggling with a lot of things, and now you've got, as I say, the most powerful man in the country insisting that you lie, insisting that you go along with something against your better judgment that is usurping the Constitution. How many of us would have the courage to say, fuck that, I'm sticking to my guns, I'm going to do what's right? Clearly, there are a lot of Republicans that aren't capable of doing it, but Rusty Bowers was. I don't know this man. He's with the Republican Party of Arizona. Now, keep in mind, these are the same fucks that hired the uh, cyber ninjas and went through that whole audit. But he's just one Republican 
in the Senate in Arizona. So how much power he had, I don't know, in spite of the fact he was or he is the Speaker of the House. But at least he set the line in the sand and he said, no more, we're not doing this. So you have to respect him for what he did there. You can only hope that now as more evidence comes out, that uh, more people will say, yeah, fuck, I can't do this anymore. That doesn't mean they're going to be saved because they spent a long time supporting some crazy shit in this country. They shouldn't get a pass if, because now they say, well, yeah, now I'm a better person. No, you tried to destroy this country. Now, I don't know if Rusty Bowers did that, but frankly, if he supported Donald Trump in the 2020 election, he should have known better. But once he was put in, put in the frying pan and made to go against the Constitution, at least he put his foot down then. At least he did that. I think we're going to see a lot more of this. We've only had four hearings. There are four more hearings coming before month's end. And uh, I think they're going to be progressively more compelling and more damning to Donald Trump and the... Uh, and the Republican Party. Now, in this particular hearing, Adam Schiff said to um, <clears throat> said to the in the hearing that the DOJ should take notice of this situation of Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and the Republicans going after people, pressuring them to do the wrong thing. This in itself is illegal. And this should be addressed with the DOJ. There should be a grand jury. There should be talks of indictments, prosecution, and convictions. Because this, make no mistake, this is a crime by our president, by his lawyer, by other officials in the Trump administration. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, you probably remember this story. The story of the mother and daughter, Georgia election workers. They were shown on video on election night simply doing their job. 
It was Ruby Freeman, who was the mother, and her daughter, Shane Moss. Shane Moss was the election worker. They needed help, so she went to her mother to get her to work on the election. I don't think they get paid for this. They enjoy doing it. They think it's important, and they do their job and have been doing it for some time. Now, for some reason, Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani picked out this video as proof of election fraud and gave these two women's names out in the media. They exposed it to everybody. In fact, when Donald Trump was talking to Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State in uh, Georgia, he invoked their names. Now, that was a private conversation, but of course, that conversation, that recorded conversation, was exposed in the media. So all of a sudden, you have the President of the United States saying that Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, were committing crimes and being part of this election fraud. Now, this was all put out there, even though there has been never, ever any proof that there was any legal activity by these women. Rudy Giuliani even called them professional election scammers. From that moment on, and still today, the lives of these two women have become a living hell. Thousands of calls, voicemail messages, people gathered and protested in front of their homes. People broke into their homes. There was constant threats. Hell, Kanye West's publicist even met with Shay and lied and threatened her. They were told not to go back to their homes because their safety couldn't be guaranteed. They were told they can't even go back to their homes. All they were doing is working as election workers, doing nothing. Please understand these threats and the disruption of their lives continues. It wasn't over once all this was exposed. These stupid Trumplefucks are still threatening them, still disrupting their lives. Now, the abuse imposed on these women created an incredible amount of fear and distrust that they struggle with to this day. The appalling thing is that they did absolutely nothing wrong. Trump and his Trumplefucks arbitrarily picked the video and these women and then sacrificed them purely to advance their agenda. These are the action of violent criminals and literal monsters. This is the Republican Party in its current state. Now, it's bad enough when they lie to Americans. But when they try to overturn elections, overthrow country, that's next level. But when they purposely attack and endanger private citizens, well, that's a bridge too far and should be absolutely unacceptable. Unfortunately, with the Republican Party, that seems to be the standard fare. You don't agree with me. You speak out. Now, we're just going to bury you. We're going to try to intimidate and bully you. We're going to commit violence upon you, or at least threats of violence upon you, if you don't acquiesce and do as we tell you. This isn't a party that abides by the Constitution. This isn't a party that is serving the people. This is an authoritarian fascist regime that is using and abusing the people. This is not America. That's not what we are about. Now imagine this, the most powerful man in the world putting a target on the back of an innocent citizen. 
These innocent citizens have no hope. They don't have the platform. They can't say anything. If the president says you're an election scammer, well, then most of the country says that must be true. That wasn't really the case in this situation because it was only the Republicans. The Democrats knew better. But there's a lot of Republicans out there that had a lot of hate and anger toward these women for no reason. Imagine how frightening and stressful that is. In the hearing, Shea Moss was quoted as saying, Nowhere do I feel safe. We can understand that. She should have never been put in that position. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss were just ordinary citizens that wanted to do their part in a system that they loved. For their efforts, the President of the United States terrorized and crushed the, them simply to benefit themselves and to perpetuate the big lie. Do you understand how appalling that is? The first job of our government is to protect its citizens, not to terrorize them, not to hurt them, not to threaten them, not to destroy their lives. But that's exactly what Donald Trump, the Trump administration, Rudy Giuliani, and all the Republicans did. Anyone that continued to perpetuate that bullshit, that lie, is guilty of abusing these two women. Now, when they've gone over the video, they've investigated, they found nothing. They're talking about suitcases and boxes full of ballots and how they were doing this and that. None of that is true. Not one bit of it is fucking true. But this is what Donald Trump does. He'll pick out little things, he'll expand on it and throw it out there just to create chaos and give him time or give everybody else uncertainty so that he can try to manipulate everybody to believe something that's simply not fucking true. Not at all fucking true. It's This is not something that should be going on in this country. It should not be happening. And there's a great danger if this continues to happen. If Donald Trump is allowed to continue to get away with things, if the Republicans get away with things. There's going to be a lot of people stepping away from Donald Trump trying to keep themselves safe, but they should not be safe. They were as much a part of the problem as Donald Trump himself. Without them supporting him, he could have never done any of this. If any one of those people had the courage and the balls that Rusty Bowers had, they would have said, stood up and said, stop. This is enough. This is not right. But none of them did. So even though they may want to free their minds and tell the truth now, that doesn't make them innocent of the crimes. Because for six years, they perpetuated this bullshit. And let's talk about some bullshit. Now, this hearing also showed through testimony by Republicans how Donald Trump and his administrations were directly connected to the creation of fake electors in swing states. And that's absolutely crucial. As I've said before, when they attacked the Capitol, we thought it's just an angry crowd and it just happened because of all the anger that was going on. But since that time, we've seen how much was Uh, premeditated and coordinated and strategized. We know that uh, 
John Eastman created essentially a blueprint for how to overturn the country. A blueprint that he knew wasn't true, a blueprint that he knew was unconstitutional, but he still went ahead and did it. And the reason he went ahead and did it is because he thought he would be pres- uh, protected by President Donald Trump. They were actually fighting for their lives. They knew they needed Donald Trump to stay in the presidency in order to keep that protection in line. So they were willing to do absolutely anything. They knew they were going to be destroyed in in the courts and by public opinion if this stuff was exposed. They got in, they got too deep, and all they could do is perpetuate the lie and try to keep Donald Trump in office. And there was no limitations to what they would do. This is an interesting story. I'm not a fan of Ron Johnson. I hate that motherfucker. He's a nutcase. He's a QAnon fuck. He's a criminal. He's corrupt. He's an asshole. And he's a danger to this country. He's up for re-election. And if we're lucky, he doesn't get voted back in. If we're even luckier, a Democrat ends up being a senator in Wisconsin. A top aide to Senator Ron Johnson attempted to arrange a handoff of false pro-Trump electors from the senator to Mike Pence just minutes before the then-vice president began to count the electoral votes on January 6, 2021. Imagine that. Ron Johnson attempted to hand off a list of fake electors that Mike Pence could count instead of the real ones in order to try to get... uh, get Donald Trump to win Wisconsin, and apparently Michigan, too. The aide Sean Riley told Pence's legislative director, Chris Hodgson, that Johnson wanted to hand Pence a list of fake electors from Michigan and Wisconsin for Pence to introduce during the counting of the electoral votes that certified Joe Biden's win. The attempt was revealed in a text message obtained by the January 6th Select Committee during its fourth public hearing uh, on Tuesday. Now, the response from Hodgson, who is Pence's aide, was simple and very concise. Do not give that to him. They knew that what was about to happen, and Pence knew that he couldn't try to overturn the election. So the last thing he wanted was to get his hands on these fake electors. The attempted handoff shows just how much former President Donald Trump and his allies tried to lean on Pence to introduce false slates of electors that could have thrown the 2020 election from Biden to Donald Trump. The committee laid out an intense pressure campaign led primarily by Trump and his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, to push the state legislators to appoint pro-Trump electors and override the will of the voters. It's interesting. What was really interesting, if you saw it, it was on, on the news channels, After the hearing, Senator Ron Johnson was confronted by the media outside the Capitol. They asked a lot of tough questions about this incident. Ron Johnson, (laughs) he faked being on the phone. 
He was holding the phone like he couldn't talk to the media or answer the questions. And and one of the media says, Ron, your phone's not even on. I can see the screen. The media could see that his phone wasn't on. And so ultimately, Ron Johnson put the phone down because he looked absolutely fucking foolish, which isn't hard to do for Ron Johnson. Eventually, Johnson put down the fake call and stuttered and stammered, trying not to answer questions. It reminds you of uh, some interviews we've seen on 60 Minutes and such, when people are put on the line and asked questions they can't answer or that they don't feel comfortable answering. And he, he looked dumb. Ultimately, this is what John Ron Johnson said. He said that somebody he didn't know gave his office something, a package, and they didn't know what it was and wanted to hand it, well, they wanted him to hand it to the vice president, Mike Pence. Really? That's how it works? A senator gets an unknown package from an unknown person then wants to hand it to the vice president. Fortunately, the vice president's uh, aide Hodgson said, yeah, no, don't give that to us. Don't give that to us. So Ron Johnson is trying to act as if he had no idea what this was about. He was just being the messenger. Well, in this world of high security, I got to believe that if somebody you don't know has a package and you don't know what's in the package and says, hand it to Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, you don't say, sure, I'll do that. But apparently that's what Ron Johnson is trying to get us to believe. Ron Johnson is probably the worst of the worst. I hope he does not get reelected. It's not going to be good for The state of Wisconsin is not going to be good for the United States of America. It's not going to even be good for the Republicans. As much as they think they want him in there, he is going to fuck up that party even more than it already is. All right, this next story kind of annoys me. I'll be perfectly honest. A lot of people will look at it as a positive thing, and maybe it is to a certain extent, but not really in my mind. A bipartisan bill aimed at curbing gun violence cleared a key procedural hurdle in the Senate on Tuesday, less than a month after the horrific mass shooting at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. The vote to advance the bill was 64 to 35. Fourteen Republicans joined Democrats in support of the measure, and senators now expect its final passage later this week. The bill is titled the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. You notice how it had no reference to guns in the title. Yeah, we better do something because they're shooting up schools, uh, but we don't want to piss off the Second Amendment people. It includes modest curbs on obtaining firearms and aid for mental health in schools. It was agreed to go to after weeks of painstaking negotiations by a core of group of four senators, Chris Murphy, Democrat, John Cornyn, a Republican, Kristen Sinema, a Democrat, and Tom Tillis, a Republican. Today, we finalized the bipartisan common sense legislation to protect America's children. 
keep our schools safe and reduce the threat of violence across the country, the senators announced in a statement earlier on Tuesday. Our legislation will save lives and will not infringe on any law-abiding American Second Amendment's rights. The bill includes funding to bolster mental health, enhanced background checks for people under 21, incentives for states to accept red flag laws and school security measures. It would close the boyfriend's loophole, a last-minute hang-up in the negotiations, by prohibiting romantic partners convicted of domestic violence who are not married to their victim from getting firearms. And it includes the first comprehensive federal criminal statute banning gun trafficking and straw purchasing. Now you might say, oh, that's great. We're going to do something about guns. But um, I'm not so sure. I mean, this is just watered down bullshit, busy work to make people feel better. And it's ridiculous. Is there a law in this bill that says somebody that's 18 can't buy an AR-15? No. Are there real background checks for everybody? No. This is a bullshit attempt to make us believe that something is being done. And granted, there might be a little bit being done here, but not what needs to be done. I mean, Jesus Christ, we've got kids being killed in schools, innocent people of color being killed in grocery stores. We can't take this bull by the horns and fucking do something important? No, we've got to acquiesce to the fucking Republicans who are so worried about the Second Amendment folks getting angry that they can't do anything of real importance. Now, some people will say, okay, at least it's a start. Well, maybe it's a start, but we still have fucking people dying for Christ's sake. Why can't we just take care of it and stop the murders and stop the death? I'll give them that they at least did something. But as I say, to me, it's just bullshit, busy work. It's not going to save um, save any lives. It's just not going to do it. There has to be much stronger things being done. And uh, it needs to get done as soon as possible. And, and, and in realistic terms, nothing is going to be done about anything unless the Democrats sweep in the midterms. If we can expand the majority in the House and in the Senate, then they can spend the next two years passing a shitload of bills without having to worry about the Republicans or fucking Joe Manchin. You know? Uh, All right, let's move on here. It's been revealed on Tuesday that House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riots has subpoenaed documentary filmmakers Alex Holder, who reportedly has footage taken of the Trump family during and immediately after the insurrection. Well, now that's interesting. 
Everybody wonders what Donald Trump was doing during the insurrection. We know he was sitting in the fucking dining room enjoying the show and cheering on the insurrectionists. CBS News reporter Robert Costa's source says that Trump campaign officials appear to have been blindsided by the camera crew, which showed up at the Trump campaign's headquarters at least once. They also remember it being odd because campaign's legal team seemed surprised as if it wasn't an unvetted project, writes Costa. The campaign lawyers were like, what, what, what is this? What's going on today? They saw it as another side project from the family Trump confidants. The House Select Committee has asked Holder to turn over raw footage that took place on January 6th and featured interviews with Donald Trump, former Vice President Mike Pence, Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Jared Kushner, and no doubt Kimberly Guilfoyle as well. This will be interesting. Now, I can almost tell you what happened here. Mr. Arrogant, Mr. Uh, um, only concerned about himself and his own publicity, because you know with him, no publicity is bad publicity. I'm sure Donald Trump got a call or somebody on his staff, Mike Meadows, said, hey, we'd like to do a documentary of Donald Trump. Will you let us do it? And of course, Donald Trump couldn't resist doing something like that. So he said, sure, come on out. Now, the only problem for Donald Trump is that now we're going to see actual live film of him during the insurrection. He can say whatever he wants and talk about whatever he is supposed to have done during the insurrection, how he was working hard to stop this attack. But now this video footage will show us exactly what happened. And once again, Donald Trump will have shot himself in the foot which is what he always does and which is why I always say, let that motherfucker talk because he will say some stupid shit and he will implicate himself every fucking time. So we'll see if they get the video. They should. I can't imagine why this documentarian wouldn't give them the video footage. I mean, frankly, all he needs to do is give them some raw footage and that'll be great publicity for when the documentary comes out. Now, on Tuesday, CBS News' Scott McFarland reported that defense counsel representing Proud Boys leader Enrique Tario are trying to garner sympathy for him in a new court ruling. Sympathy. He is the leader of the Proud Boys, who are the leaders of the people that attacked our capital. Now he wants fucking sympathy? Yeah, good luck with that. Tario, the filing says, is locked up, broke, and jobless, and ready to tell his side of the January 6th story. Locked up and broke, I get that. Jobless? You're in fucking jail, motherfucker. Why would you have a job? But now he's willing to tell his side of the story. And this is how it goes. These guys stand by their bullshit to the end. And then when they have no way out, they want to say, okay, I'll give you the inside story. Sorry, that's a little too little too late. Tario, who was denied jail release last month, was recently slapped with seditious conspiracy charges for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. This comes after the leader of the paramilitary group, the Oath Keepers, were also hit with similar charges. 
So Tario's got seditious conspiracy. We're talking like a 20 or 30 debt, a 30 year uh, sentence. Now he wants to talk to try to bring that number down. I got to be honest with you. I'd tell them to fuck off. There's enough information out there. They don't need him to talk. I wouldn't give him shit for shit. Now, they played a key role in the effort to storm the Capitol, believing that they could prevent the certification of President Joe Biden's electoral win if they disrupted Congress from counting the electors. And damned if they didn't try. They tried hard, and they almost succeeded. Documents have revealed that the extent of the Proud Boys' plan to invade the Capitol complex, including using a covert sleeper to set up an appointment and block traffic to keep police out. (laughs) Yeah, this guy wants sympathy. Fuck him. Fuck him. They should prosecute him. They should convict him and throw that dumb fuck in jail for 20 or 30 years. Now, the one thing I didn't mention about the hearings, and this was a big part of the hearings, uh, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, was uh, testifying at the event. Now, he, he, he told us some things we didn't know, but, but the fact of the matter is, is we know where the crime was committed because we have the audio recording of Donald Trump calling Raffensperger uh, to, to coerce him to overturn the election. And of course, Raffensperger refused to do that. Now then, he became an enemy of Donald Trump and all the little trump He was facing down threats. Raffensperger said some of Trump's followers started going after his wife and others broke into his daughter-in-law's home. Nonetheless, he didn't quit his job. He stuck with the job. I'll give him that. He didn't run away from it or change his mind. He said, because I know that we did follow the law. We followed the Constitution. I think sometimes moments require you to stand up and just take the shots. You're doing your job. That's all we did. So he's much like Rusty Bowers in that case. I don't know that he's as heroic as Rusty Bowers was, but he did the right thing. He made Donald Trump mad. And like all the rest of the people we talked about in this podcast, what happens? Donald Trump sicks these Trumplefucks on him and tries to destroy his life, tries to pressure him to change his mind so Donald Trump can get what he wants to get. That's what these hearings really did. They exposed a lot, and they showed how Donald Trump was involved. You see what the January 6th committee is doing here. They're trying to point everything at Donald Trump, show the evidence that he was involved, that he did know his intent was to be criminal. And once they can do that, then the DOJ has to say, okay, what are we going to do? What the January 6th committee is doing is pressuring the DOJ. They're getting all this evidence out. And the more the evidence comes out and the less the DOJ does, the more embarrassing it is for them. So now they're going to have to do something. And yes, as I talked about before, they want the, uh, the evidence and the tapes and all that stuff. And they will get them. But um, I think there's a little 
push and pull going on with the DOJ and the January 6th committee. January 6th is annoyed, like many of us, to have seen the DOJ to do little. They should have all this evidence. They should have ramped up this uh, investigation well before the January 6th committee, and apparently they didn't. So the January 6th committee says, we're going to put on this show. We're not going to allow anything to be hidden. We're going to expose everything bare to the public. And then, DOJ, you can decide whether you're going to do your job or not. But if you decide to not do your job, well, you're fucked. So I think the January 6th committee is doing the right thing. They've got their their slate of shows, eight hearings in June. Get those done and then give it to the DOJ and see if they fucking actually do something. I believe they're in the works. They do have grand juries. They do have investigations. They're looking into things. But they need to speed this up a little bit. They can't fuck around like they've been fucking around. And hopefully the January 6th committee is making it more difficult for them to fuck around. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to just sit and listen to me rattle on. I appreciate it immensely. You have a great day. We will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.